Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you today to round four of our message series, Our Family Fights. And today, we're talking about how to fight for your kids. You know, there's this idea that it's the church's job to spiritually raise kids, and it's the parents' job just to get the kids to church. And I gotta be honest with you, for a long time, I helped perpetuate that type of mindset because I I got my start as a youth pastor, and the truth is my attitude was basically, hey, you bring your kids to church, and I'll teach them everything they need to know about following Jesus, okay? And so that's typically what, you know, what parents did. Um, But what I didn't see at the time was how harmful that mindset really is. Because after seeing several hundred kids go through my youth ministry, one thing I noticed was that those kids who kept their commitment to following Christ, who successfully navigated their teen years, and who continued to go to church and follow Christ after they graduated, almost all of them had parents who had made a commitment to follow Christ themselves. I'm not talking about just praying a prayer and becoming a Christ follower. I'm talking about parents who made a commitment to follow Christ and openly talked about it in their home. That's what I noticed. And my biggest regret as a youth pastor was that the truth is, I never offered anything to help all of those other parents grow spiritually in their walk with Christ so they can reinforce what we were teaching the kids at church and they can reinforce it at home. Um, And ultimately, in American culture, what what, what has started to happen is that churches offer so many programs and so many activities to kids and teenagers in an effort to attract them to coming to church that parents, it's easy for us as parents, for the most part, to to shift our responsibility from the personal spiritual development of our kids from ourselves and shift that responsibility onto the church. And, and that's what, typically what we see. That basically the attitude is, if I bring my kids to church enough, well then they will eventually learn everything they need to know about following Jesus. And so it's the church's job to spiritually raise my kids. Well, there's a twofold problem with the attitude that says, you know, it's the church's job to raise my kids. The first problem is this. <clears throat> that model is nowhere in the Bible. That model just simply doesn't exist. It's nowhere in this book at all. The second problem, and honestly, far more dangerous, is this. Is that kids 
who grow up going to church and hearing about, you know, Jesus at church, but when they go home, if they never hear Jesus and God talked about or as a part of their regular home life, when that day comes, and it comes for everybody, when that day comes for that child to make their own decision about what they are going to believe about God and his son Jesus, many of them at that point will make the erroneous decision that God is not real. And it's those types of kids that tend to walk away from God. And and the thinking is this, is that, you know, the reason I don't think that God is real is because I never saw him outside of church. My parents never talked about him. We never did anything. And so I erroneously learned that basically God is compartmentalized. He is at church, but he's not at home, and he's not anywhere where my real life occurs. And so therefore, he must not be real. And did you know this? 74% of all church kids, church kids, 74% of them do not go to church after they graduate high school. Because when the time came for them to take what their parents wanted them to believe and adopt it for themselves, they just saw too much compartmentalization. They realized, you know what, I'm not even sure that any of this is even real. Because surely I would have heard about it from my parents. Reggie Joyner, former minister and now Christian author, he believed for years that, the primarily, that it was primarily the church's responsibility for the spiritual upbringing of, of his kids. And he writes this. He writes, families run the risk of becoming relationally poor in their pursuit of becoming experientially rich. In my pursuit of what I thought would make my kids happy, I threatened what makes them come alive. Look, we're in a fight for our kids and for our grandkids. We've got to fight for them to have a personal relationship with God. We have to fight to help them spiritually grow up and follow God after they graduate high school. So that when that day comes, when it's time for them to choose for themselves... They will choose to follow God and they will come to the correct conclusion that God is real because they have seen and heard about him consistently through us as their parents and grandparents. Okay. How do I do that? Okay, that's great. How does that happen? Well, thankfully, God gives us some very specific instructions on how to do that. And in the passage we're going to look at today, honestly, it is the most famous passage in the Old Testament for all Hebrew parents. So, in fact, for a Hebrew parent, this passage was more famous than Adam and Eve, than Moses and the Red Sea, than David and Goliath. And it is in this passage that God gives us some very specific, clear instructions about how to pass on our faith from us to our kids and grandkids. So... How do I fight for the spiritual growth of my kids and grandkids? Number one is this. Go ahead and pull out your message if you haven't done so already. Number one, 
talk. Talk openly about God in your family. You got to talk openly about God in your family. Here's this most famous passage I was referring to. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You remember in the New Testament when Jesus says is like what the greatest commandment in the whole Bible is? He he quotes this. This is where it comes from. This passage. Verse 6. These commandments that I give you are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. I want you to underline sit at home. We're going to come back to the same. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Underline walk along the road. And when you lie down, underline lie down. And when you get up, underline get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now look, if you've been in church before, you've probably heard that this passage means that you're supposed to talk about God, you know, pretty much all the time. You know, you're talking about when you're sitting at home, when you're walking down the road. I mean, never mind that, you know, the only time I ever walk down the road is when I run the car out of gas, okay? <clears throat> you know, when you're walking down the road, when you're, you know, when you lie down, you know, when you get up. The, you know, basically the idea is, is that you're supposed to talk about God and his son Jesus pretty much all the time. That it's pretty much, you know, 24-7, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Okay? At least that's the idea that we get. Now, I recently read a book that talked about this passage. And it revealed to me something that I've, I've never seen before. It, it reframed this verse of Scripture and redefined it. And basically said that there are four distinct times that I can leverage to talk to my kids and my grandkids about God and about Christ. Okay? Now, <clears throat> and whether your kids are, or grandkids are one-year-old or whether they're seniors in high school, the truth is it's never too early and it's never too late to start leveraging these four times. In fact, I would even say this. If you don't even have kids, you can start leveraging these four times in your daily life now. And then when you have kids, it just becomes part of their regular routine. Or if you don't have grandkids yet, you can make, start leveraging these times. And when they come along, it's just part of the regular routine. So what are these four times? Here they are. These are your bullet points. <clears throat> the first one is this. First one is meal time. <clears throat> mealtime. This is the, the when you sit at home. Now, if you're like my family, we don't necessarily eat, you know, t- you know, all of our meals together as a family. You know, I mean, the truth is we probably only sit down as a family and eat meals together three, maybe four times a week, including Saturdays, okay? But you can leverage mealtime no matter how infrequent you are with it, just like we do. <clears throat> in our family, we do one thing at mealtime, and I actually I know another family in our church that does this as well because they've shared it with me. But uh, we do a thing we call, we call it high-low. Our kids, we ask our kids what was the high part of their day and what was the low part of their day. And it generates great discussion. And what it does, it gives Amy and I a chance to help our kids reframe what happened as the high part of their day as a blessing that comes from God and helps them rethink about the low part of their day as something that God, uh, as, as a lesson that God would want to teach them or an experience that God wants to use to refine them. That ultimately what we're trying to do is help our kids see their experiences in life 
through the lens of God's activity. It's a great thing to do. So leverage meal time. Second time that you can leverage is drive time. <clears throat> leverage drive time. When you walk along the road. Now look, we don't really walk along the road anymore, but we do drive on it. And uh, I don't know about your family, but in our family, we spend an awful lot of time driving to and from different activities. And as a family, we have made the decision that we turn off the radio, we keep all other electronics off, and we use that time to talk. And usually on the way home from church, on the way home from small group, we'll talk to our kids about what they learned or about what they got out of it. <clears throat> and so what we, and what we don't do is allow our kids to give us like cheap answers. You know, like, well, hey, what'd you get out of church? Nothing. No, that's not true. What was your lesson about? What'd you talk about? And so we ask them to tell us what was the lesson about. And that just gets the discussion started. And then we go from there. Now, look, every time we drive in the car, it's not like, you know, you know this, you know, Bible class. Okay, I don't want you to think that. But when you begin to leverage drive time, it does give you some great places to start talking to them about what they're learning and how to apply it to their life. And so you can leverage drive time. Third time that you can leverage <clears throat> is this, leverage bedtime. This is when you lie down. When you lie down, bedtime. This is a great time to talk a little bit more personally to your kids. Um, now, in our family, I'm usually the one that actually puts them to bed at night. And when I do, I do two things. First thing, I make sure that I pray for them. I pray for, maybe I pray for something that happened that they shared with their, during their high-low time at dinner. Or I'll pray for them about some uh, qualities that, and characteristics they want God to, you know, part of their life. Uh, pray for their future husband or future spouse. <clears throat> but the second thing I do, I try to take a few moments and just sit on the edge of their bed and give them a chance to share something that happened or that's going on or they're thinking that they maybe didn't want to share in front of the whole rest of the family at dinner time. And, I'm t and I, I, not every time do I get to, you know, see inside the windows of their soul and they really open up and share. It's, it's not like that. But sometimes it is. And those few times that it is makes all those other times so worth the effort and the time. So leverage bedtime. Fourth time that you can leverage, according to the Bible, is morning time. <clears throat> this is the when you get up. This is when you get up. Now, I don't know about you, but our mornings at our house are rush, 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 rush to get out the door. So the truth is, our morning time most, of that, most often occurs in the car. But in the car, in the morning, we always do the very same thing. Whether it's me or Amy taking the kids to school, we always do the same thing. We, you know, take our phone, we, you know, pull up our Bible app, hand it to the kids, and they take turns picking a verse out of Proverbs to talk about during that drive time. And Amy and I, we don't actually teach that verse to the kids. We ask the kids, what do you think that verse means? How do you think you can apply that to your life at your age? Now, we do have to help them along at times. But for the most part, we try to let them figure it out. Because look, the skill that we're trying to teach our kids, we're trying to teach them how to read the Bible and apply it to their life. And that's a skill I want them to have. 
And so we teach that skill to them in morning time. You see how that works? Now look, I don't want you to get the idea like that Amy and I are like these great, awesome, amazing, perfect parents, okay? Like that is just so not true. Our kids will vouch for that, I promise, okay? <clears throat> I mean, it, it really is true. Because the truth is, we lose it from time to time, just like everybody else. But I, I truly believe it's not what happens under those times of stress that kids remember. It's what you do in the day-to-day that makes the biggest impression on them. And so, if you leverage meal time, drive time, bedtime, morning time, you are beginning to really fight the spiritual battle for your kids. And you will grow too in the process. Look, to help you in that fight, there's a great app that's out right now. It's called Parent Q. Now listen, if you have a fifth grader or under, this app would be a great app for you to have. Uh, This is what it looks like. What they do is they give you, on on this app, they give you verses, activities, videos, um, songs, things that you can do with your kids. Get this, during mealtime, bedtime, drive time, morning time. And what's even better than that, when this app updates with different activities every single week, those activities and those lessons correspond to what your kids are learning here at church every week. How cool is that for an app? Now, if you don't have a smartphone, don't worry. All that same stuff is written out on their take-home sheet that they get when they walk out of here. So don't just like, you know, wad that thing up, throw it away. Like there's actually useful information on that piece of paper, okay? And if you have a teenager, um, our children's ministry and youth ministry have just started a blog that has all these same kinds of helps and information on it, okay? And I'll give you a chance to sign up for that blog or give you a, a chance to get updates from that blog at the end of today. All right, there's a second component that it takes to fight for our kids. And that second component is this. Partner with the church, to teach your kids to follow God. Partner with the church to teach your kids <clears throat> to follow God. Now, over in this corner, I have two discs. I've got a yellow disc and I've got a red disc. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I actually dislike yellow and red, okay? And it's not because I have personal issues with primary colors, okay? It's not because I like blue better, Okay, and it's not because like I dislike the Washington Redskins. I actually like the Redskins now that RG three is their quarterback. You know, hashtag every team can now beat the Cowboys. But <clears throat> the reason is is because I don't like that these colors are separated. Think about yellow representing parents. Think about red representing the church. When we take the approach to rearing our kids and grandkids, that it's the church's job to teach them about spirituality, and it's our job to teach them about everything else. Your kids and grandkids grow up seeing a great hypocrisy. That God has his place at church, but has no real place in real life. And when they grow up seeing this great hypocrisy, it sends a very powerful message to them. But that's not the message God wants them to get. Instead, God wants us 
to think orange. He wants us to think about the church and parents working together. That, that we would partner with the church to teach our kids and grandkids how to follow God. Now look, there is no Bible verse that says, parents, partner with the church. That Bible verse doesn't exist because in the Bible, it is primarily the parents' role to teach their kids how to follow God. But look, our society is growing more and more decadent. And so our kids and grandkids need every ally they can get. So parents, grandparents, use the church as your ally to help your kids and grandkids learn how to follow God. Learn about their son, about his son, Jesus Christ. So what can you do to begin to think orange? Let me give you a couple of things. Here's the first. Attend the Parkway Fellowship Parent Summit on October 20th. Inside your bulletin is a registration form for the Think Orange Parent Summit we're having on the the 20th of October. It starts at 8.30 in the morning, goes to noon that day. It's $25 to come to the summit. You don't have to pay today. You can actually register today. You can just simply pay at the door or you can just pay online. But here's what I want you to consider doing. I want you to consider having that both of you as parents, both of you as grandparents, husband and wife, come to the summit. And then during that day, split up so you can go to as many of these seminars as you possibly can go to. On the back of this registration form, there's a place for one spouse to register and a place for the second spouse to register. It's $25 for a family, okay? So it's not like each of you has got to pay. It's $25. Man, get, go to the summit. You can simply just turn this form in uh, and the offering today. Um, and again, you can pay at the door. So you don't worry about the money part of it, all right? Go to the Parent Summit. Second thing you can do is this. Talk with your kids about what they're learning at church. Now, the truth is, you've got to make a commitment. And you've got to bring your kids to church in order to really activate this. And here's the thing. If you haven't signed your kids up, whether they're children or teenagers, if you haven't signed your kids up for a small group yet, man, you're cheating your kids. Because the stuff that they learn at small group and the verses they memorize, holy cow, it's amazing. And look, here's the thing. When you bring your kids to church and you bring your kids to small group, it gives you something substantive to talk about with your kids. It is the easiest starting point for a conversation. Say, hey, what did you learn about today? What was the lesson about today? What did you get out of that today? It is the easiest entrance point that there is to starting a spiritual conversation in your family. But you need to leverage that. Here's the third thing. Make your kids' spiritual growth their highest priority. Make your kids' spiritual growth their highest priority. Let me give you a little background of this next verse before we read it, just so you'll understand what's going on. Nehemiah has been overseeing the rebuilding of the wall around the city of Jerusalem. And now the project is almost finished. In fact, the wall is rebuilt. The only thing left to do is to hang the doors on the gates. Now, as you can imagine... The leaders of the enemies that were living outside Jerusalem did not like this progress. And so they sent Nehemiah a message inviting him to come meet them under the guise of peace so that they could stop this work. Well, Nehemiah, he knew what was going on. He knew that they meant ill for him. And so look at the message he sends back to them in Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 3. He says, so I sent messengers to them saying, 
I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Moms and dads, you need to adopt this same posture about your kids. Grandparents, you need to adopt this same posture about your grandkids. I got to be honest with you, the devil is none too happy about you rearing your kids and grandkids to grow up to follow God and his son, Jesus Christ. And our world will stop at nothing to distract you from this task. But you have to make their spiritual growth their highest priority. Your kids need you to prioritize that for them. You need basically to say to yourself, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. That ultimately what you're saying is, is that when other options come that would, for your kids to register for or to take part in, that would take them out of church or take them out of small group, out of places where they can learn to grow spiritually, that you need to say no to those things and you need to remind yourself The reason is, is because I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. That is the posture that you ought to take. Because no matter what the world is offering your kids, no matter what opportunities that they they say that, that they promise, those opportunities, those experiences are inferior to everything that God offers. And so you need to remind yourself, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. You cannot be distracted. Here's what I want you to do. Tonight when you go home, I want you to walk in your kid's room after they've gone to sleep. And I want you to look at them while they're sleeping. And as you look at them, I want you to say to yourself, I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. I am doing a great work. And if you are trying to raise your kids to follow God, your grandkids follow God, you are doing a great work. You need to say, I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. And as you repeat that verse to yourself, you need to realize it is your job. It's not the church's job to raise your kids spiritually. That's your job. And you need to remind yourself, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. That when you decide to talk openly to your kids about God, and you do that during mealtime, drive time, you know, bedtime, morning time, you need to remind yourself, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. That when you decide to think origin, you partner with the church to raise your kids spiritually, you need to remind yourself when you say no to all of these other options, all these things that would try to sweep your kids out of church and as attractive as those other options are, you need to say to yourself, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. That is how you fight for your kids. That is how you fight for your grandkids. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And I want you to take the next steps that you feel like God is prompting you to take today. 
Let's start with this first one. I will begin to leverage meal time, drive time, bedtime, and morning time to steer our conversations towards spiritual matters. Look, here's the thing. Your kids are probably going to fight you on this at the start. They're not going to, they're not going to, they're just going to fight you on it. I promise your initial conversations are probably not going to go very well. Don't give up. You need to fight through that until it becomes the new normal for your family. Number two, I will download the Parent Q app and use it. Okay, truth. While I was talking, how many of you people already downloaded it on your phone? (laughs) Too embarrassed? I can tell by your laughter. Okay? All right, number three. Send me the link to the Parkway Fellowship Think Orange blog so I can receive regular updates. We'll send you the link and it'll... It'll send you regular updates so that you can get those on your phone or on your email, whatever you want. Next, I will register today for the Think Orange Parent Summit on October 20th from 8.30 noon. Just drop that thing in the offering bucket if you want to. Um, and don't, again, don't worry about the payment. You can just simply pay at the door or you can pay online. Next, I will make my child's spiritual growth their highest priority. And that means saying no to some other things. So you can say yes to God, and yes to spiritual activities for your kids and grandkids. How about this next one? I will memorize and say to myself frequently, I mean, I, I say this to myself a lot, Nehemiah 6.3, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Did you memorize that? Say it to yourself. Remind yourself. This last one. I want to become a Christ follower. For the first time in my life today. I mean, the truth is, you cannot lead your kids to a place where they can know God and have a relationship with God until you have one. The way you start a relationship with God is by taking that first step of faith by accepting Jesus Christ to come into your life to save you from all of your sins and pledge to follow him from this day forward. Have you done that? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? If you haven't, there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. You can pray that prayer right now where you sit. And then God will forgive you for everything you've ever done in your past. And you'll go to heaven when you die. In fact, that's the only way to get to heaven is by asking Jesus. You can't work your way there by being good. You need Jesus to forgive you for everything you've ever done that's bad. And then, so make sure you check that box because I want to send you some free stuff in the mail if you're making that commitment for the first time in your life. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet It's on a table just before you walk outside each of these doors. Let me pray for you as Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I thank you so much for the power and authority of your word and how, how, how you just so clearly laid it out of how we can fight for our kids and grandkids. And I pray for every parent in this room, every grandparent in this room, that you would help them to fight effectively for their kids by talking about you openly so that kids can see that you're real in every facet of life, that they would use the church and partner with the church as their ally in spiritually rearing their kids. And so um, I ask that you would help us model that and that you would change the next generation creating them a heart to follow you for a lifetime. I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282. 